0: Over here? Is that where you want me? Okay, great. So good to be with you, and thankful to have the opportunity to thank Pastor David for uh, inviting me to be a part of this event and of your efforts uh, to engage in the world and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I was sitting here this evening, I, I was remembering a, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Enrique Cepeda, who heads up the... Um, the Thomas School of International Studies at Mid-America Christian University. Uh, he's from Mexico, and when he first came to the United States, he didn't speak English very well. And as he learned it, he was called to speak around the country. And, uh, and he had a hard time sometimes understanding people's responses. And so uh, he, uh, he was preaching in a particular church, and after the, uh, the service, this lady walks up to him and says, Dr. Cepeda... That was a warm message you shared with us. He said, warm message? What would that mean? So he went home, he got his dictionary out, and he looked up the word warm and found that it meant not so hot. (laughs) Well, tonight we're here not to impress but to encourage and strengthen you and to share with you Uh, talking about this subject of living by faith, living by faith. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to be looking at that great faith chapter in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to kind of go through verses 1 through 8, living by faith tonight. Did you know that faith is a life word, that um, it's a word for life? You either choose faith or you choose fear. One of the two. No matter what you face, no matter what you do, no matter what you try, no matter what the challenge is, no matter what you're hoping to accomplish, you will always have the choice between faith or fear. And you find that those who live by faith accomplish much more than those who live by fear. Amen? You find those that live by faith have a much more exciting life than those who are dominated by fear. And so, throughout the Scriptures, we are encouraged. Jesus constantly encouraged His disciples, Do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. I am always with you. The Apostle Paul was telling us to live by faith and not by sight. Don't be overwhelmed by the things you see happening around you, but learn to live a life of faith. And so, as we look at this passage tonight, we are seeing that uh, all of life begins at the end all planning begins at the end the verses 16 and 17 of this 11th chapter give us an understanding of why these great individuals these heroes of the faith as it's listed for us in the 11th chapter it says instead they were longing for a better country a heavenly home Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared a city for them. How many of you are looking forward to that day? When you know that you will be welcome home once and forever, the journey will be over. We don't want to leave now, but we keep our eye on the prize. We keep our eye on Jesus, and we continue to live by faith, and he is not ashamed to be called our God. Amen? Uh, to turn to somebody and say, God's not ashamed of me. God's not ashamed of me. Amen. Now, how do we characterize our faith? What, what are the characteristics that are going to happen as we live out our faith and invest our faith and invest our life in a life of faith? Well, the very first thing that we see in this passage is that a life of faith leaves a testimony of faith. Look, if you will, at those first two verses that are found there in the 11th chapter. They read like this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So faith has nothing to do necessarily with what we see or what's happening around about us. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, when David said that I'd been pastoring for 50 years, I... All of a sudden became an ancient. <laughs> now the ancients were commended for what? Their faith. And this chapter begins to tell you about their faith. When life comes to an end. When it's all said and done. When your journey is over. Do you want to be known as a person of faith? Now it's important where you place your faith naturally. These individuals, we know, place their faith in Almighty God and the work of Almighty God. I hope that when my journey is ended, that my children, my grandchildren, and those that I have been engaged in life with for the cause of Christ will be able to say of me, He was a man of faith. Now, you know, you don't have to have a big name. You don't have to have a a heavy position. You don't have to have a lot of authority to be a person of faith. When I was a boy, about the fifth grade, I lived in a little town in western Oklahoma called Elk City, Oklahoma. In that town, my father pastored the Church of God. In that church, there were a group of ladies who were known as praying saints. When I met this one particular lady, her name being Mary Rice, Mary Rice had already lived through the Great Depression, she had already lived through the Dust Bowl, and she had already raised four sons. Three of those sons ended up being pastors in the Church of God. They were Hilary Herschel and Eugene Rice, and they were making their contribution in the life of faith. Well, Mary, because no one was left in her household, her husband had already passed, she adopted myself and my two sisters as her adopted grandchildren we lived about four blocks she lived on 501 Washington Street and every other Saturday I and my two sisters we would take a wagon we would walk down to Mary Rice's house where Mary Rice would have prepared a beautiful cake for our family for us to take home she then would serve us Dr. Pepper and ice cream I look forward to every other Saturday. But then she would always pray for us. And pray for our life. Mary had a habit. She always spent time in God's word, first thing in the morning, and always in prayer. One day, my father got a call from the banker in town. And he wanted to know, is there something wrong with Mary Rice? And he said, well, I don't think so, but why do you ask? He said, well, I walk to the bank, to my office every morning. Every morning, I see Mary Rice sitting in her chair with her Bible open. And she's reading. I see that day after day after day. He said, for the last three days, I've gone by Mary Rice's home And Mary is not sitting in her chair. She is not reading the scriptures as she does on a daily basis. So something must be wrong. It turns out that she had just gone to visit one of her sons. But think about that for a moment. A leader in the community, the banker, saw this woman of faith every day. It would be Mary Rice who would sit with a group of ladies in the church on every Thursday afternoon, and they would be quilting. Sometimes their conversations got beyond the line that it should as they began to talk about other people. Mary would reach down in her purse, and she would pull out a little testament, and she would say, I think it's time for us to go to the cellar for another jar of grace. Woman of faith. Obscure town of Elk City, Oklahoma impacted my life, impacted her son's life, which impacted multiple thousands of people. Living by faith leaves a legacy of faith. What is your legacy? Will it be a legacy of faith? You see, the way you make decisions, the way that you give, the way that you engage, what you give your life to, those make up the way that we live out our faith. They tell what we have faith in. They tell what our faith is based upon. Scripture says here that the ancients were remembered for their faith. The second thing we find in this passage is that a life of faith leaves a life, an offering given by faith is honored by God. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. Now that passage just tells us several things about what we give to God. As you know, Abel different than his brother gave the best of his offerings, the best of his crops, the first fruits, not the leftovers. Not that which was second rate, but the very best. And God commended and honored that offering. We also see here that the way we give, not only in finances, but the way we give of ourselves tells what's important to us. It also is the way that we will be remembered. What you give yourself to, the way you give yourself will be the way that you are remembered. You and I are remembered. The ancients were commended for their faith. Abel gave his first fruit, the fatted portion. You see, are you giving your best? That's the question that all of us have to ask. There's a picture coming up on the screen of some pastors in India. These men are men that I've had the opportunity to meet and to train. Brother Dan has been there as well. I've been going to India now and working with the India Gospel League for the last 25 years. I go every year. Sometimes I go more than once a year. But here are some men who are equipping themselves and giving themselves. And if you heard their individual stories, you would be overwhelmed. But one of the most outstanding stories about a group of men like this began the story began in about 1993. I was asked to come by Reverend Stevens, Dr. Samuel Stevens, and I was asked to lead a conference on on uh, church growth on master planning and church growth. They wanted me to teach strategy and planning and visioning to these pastors. And so I went with a group of others and we spent about 10 days there uh, teaching a process and way to strategize and a way to plan a way to set goals and and develop vision at the end of that meeting there was a group of these pastors who gathered around under a tree on the grounds at Sharon Garden, 25 of them and they were taking the tool that we had introduced to them on how to strategize and how to plan and they were working with it and they decided that they wanted to start a vision, and they called it Vision 2000. Their vision was, by the year 2000, seven years away, they would plant 1,000 new churches. That was their vision. 25 pastors. It's amazing what can happen when people give their best for their faith. These men already had churches. These men were already responsible. But here they were being captured by what God was putting in their heart. I returned 18 months later as a follow-up visit to that. I asked how the church planting process was going. In 18 months, they had already planted 892 churches. For that vision, that was a seven-year vision. That launched a major effort in India called Vision 2000 that now is a growing multiplying church planting organization and this year they will surpass the 80,000 mark of churches planted since 1993 God wants us to have faith And He will honor our faith by His power and by His strength. And He will do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can ever...